Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This is part two of my interview with Blair Ward. She was born with a heart condition, as we discussed in the last episode, and has so many struggles that she's talked about growing up with and being prone to just catching any bacteria or virus that's floating around. And we've had a lovely discussion about what that's been like growing up, as well as her struggle with Lyme disease. In this next segment, we'll talk about a few of her other medical problems that she's struggled with in the past, and also what she's looking forward to in the future. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back now and do so. And uh, with that, let's just jump right in. Do you want to talk about at all your endo sure. journey or anything like that? I didn't yeah. realize you had so many different things going on. You would think that I'm a, <laughs> uh, what's that disease when you just get all those illnesses? I forget what it's called. It's the one where you like think you're sick all the time. I know I, what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of it right now. <laughs> what's the disease where you think? you're sick all the time. So this okay. is the opposite though. You're actually sick all the time. I'm actually, I'm <laughs> you don't actually just think sick. you are. Hypochondriac. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you, and then Munchausen is like a mom actually purposely yes. making her child sick or herself or herself. I know. Have you not heard that one before? No, I have. It's, okay. it's yes. And it's to me an imbalance of, from a psych- health psychology perspective, it's primarily based on the mother's reward system in childhood, where if she was rewarded for being needed, like helpful around the house or such a good family member that contributed so much, then her self-worth is derived from feeling like she's needed. Like she needs to feel needed to by others and by the people around her. And I think that when she's out of balance with the other female archetypes, which this goes into a lot of like Carl Jung psychology and this book by Dr. Dana James, which anyone listening could read and love, but there's an idea that a, a, a female or a woman has like four different sides to themselves, which people can totally disagree with, but I kind of like it. It's like the wonder woman, which is the hardworking lady boss, or it doesn't have to be like hardworking lady boss, but just the working side of you. And there's the femme fatale, which is like the sexual and sensual and the, you know, wants to be, loved by her boyfriend it's the romantic side of you and then there's the ethereal which is kind of like the spiritual or you know connected to the earth or the creative side of you whatever that you know you creating a podcast where does your libido take you in terms of your energy and then there's the nurturer and the nurturer is the person that is giving and growing and nurturing those around her and the idea would be every woman has those four aspects of their personality And there's like different books calling them different things like the queen, the little girl, the mistress, like whatever you want to call it. But the psychology idea would be those would be out of balance and you're deriving your sense of self-worth from one, not all four of those. And if that's the case and you're 
trauma in childhood was that your self-worth is based off of being needed. You're going to, your psyche is out of balance. You're going to do anything you can, even to make your child sick, to feel like you have sense self sense of self-worth. It's like a gross sense. It's like not narcissism. It's like inherited narcissism where yeah. you, your child is the extension of you and you're making them sick and snuffing the light, light out of them. Cause that's how you feel. And they're within your control. And it's so sad because, you know, people, it's, it's heartbreaking. I've met several people who have on the spectrum, a case of that. It's a little bit narcissism in my childhood. And, and you know, you, it's painful to hear them open up and try to deal with that shame and process, you know, at the most basic maternal level, like what they did to their kid. It's really messed up. It's messed up. But what else we're talking about? I thought I was a hypochondriac. I started going to therapy. I was like, why do, do I think I'm sick all the time or I'm actually sick? But when you start seeing their blood tests and stuff come back, you're like, and you see these professionals telling you, you're super sick. It gets confusing. Cause you're like, are you trying to profit off of my illness and, or are you actually sick? But after a while, you know, certain blood tests, they tell you things and it's like, okay, should I, maybe I should take that into account. I actually am anemic. I actually do have these issues going on and these are things I can address. So, but endo, endo is usually called caused by an estrogen dominance in women, which again, on a psychology level, I think is an out of balance, meaning that to me comes off in a woman that's very on the femme fatale side of things, sensual and sexual really dives into her feminine side of her personality, but isn't really balanced in other areas of her life, like her creative or her work environment or her nurturing. But I think that typically like if a chick just has really bad, like strong, powerful estrogen dominance in her body, they found that endometrial tissue thrives. I have a different idea and it's not mine. It's this doctor. Have you ever heard of Anthony, uh, Anthony Williams, medical, medical medium. Mm -mm. Okay. He's super woo woo. So he, whenever I mention that name, I feel like it throws people off, but he has an idea, which I actually kind of, out of all the theories, I kind of liked his theory. His his theory is the body's not fighting against you. It's trying to protect you. And if there is something wrong, it's doing what it thinks it should be do. It needed to do to make you better. And for me, someone that was chronically ill, I just always had this adverse relationship with my body. Why is my body doing this to me? Like I hated my body because of what I thought it was doing. And then that sort of switched the narrative and he made me think of it differently. And at first I didn't like it. I was, I didn't, I got kind of inflamed at that comment. But then later on, I was like, oh, he thinks that if the tissue that grows in the uterus is growing outside of the uterus, it causes a lot of pain in women. It can grow in your brain. It can grow all over your body. There's just a hormone that's triggered in a certain way and causes it to grow all over your ovaries, your colon, your stomach, your appendix everywhere, your fallopian tubes, your uterus. It's so painful. And it's only supposed to be the tissue in the uterus. So when it grows outside of the uterus and then sheds at the same time of your period, you're not, it can cause Ooh. cysts, it can cause all these things. You're not just having a regular period. You're having like a period on steroids, seriously, <laughs> because your body has put itself into a state of 
hormonal influx and your body is shedding a period outside of your uterus because all the tissue shedding. So you're having, there's four stages of it. And I'm just kind of learning this stuff. People can speak on this better than me, but Julianne Huff has it. And a few other celebrities have spoken out about it, but there's four different stages, meaning it can grow in different places and at different levels. And I don't know what stage I have. All I know is I, when I was dealing with the cervical cancer stuff, which is caused by the viral infection, HPV, no shit. I pick up viruses because my immune system suppressed. I started getting insane periods. They've always been bad, but this was like, like you said, like passing out, throwing up, just hunching over in pain, not being able to do work. Just, I was done for. And at that point I went to the doctor's same thing, paid thousands of dollars to be in the hospital just to be sent home, which they do to so many women. And then I eventually went to an OBGYN. He tested me, found out I had HPV. I said, what do I do for cervical cancer? Or not, not cervical cancer, endometriosis, because I'm having pain. This has got to be an issue. She says, you have an estrogen dominance in your body. You should have an IUD to sort out your estrogen, which is interestingly enough, because that's what they do. They do a laparoscopic surgery to either go into your belly button through a surgery and see where the endo is and scrape it out till it grows back. Again, a bandaid on a wound that needs stitches. Or they give you IUD, which makes the most sense to tweak your hormones and maybe lower your estrogen level and stop it from growing, which is the solution for a lot of women. But at this point, I had, I didn't trust doctors anymore. I was like, I need a second opinion. So I went and got my, um, I went and got my blood tested through a naturopath and found, and I did a hormone test over the course of a month and found that I have no estrogen. Like my estrogen is so low in my body that it's basically not even, it's, it's not even present. So I'm like wonder woman all the way. And there's like no femme fatale or whatever you want to call it in my brain. So I thought if estrogen, if endometriosis and the pain I'm having is, is estrogen dominant, but my estrogen is super low. Is there another thing that causes endometriosis? So I Googled it and there's actually studies coming out now, which is after this Anthony Williams medical medium guy has been claiming this for years now, studies are just now coming out saying that endometriosis is, is a hormonal shift in your body, causing that tissue to grow everywhere. It mainly is estrogen dominant, but it could be virally inflicted. Meaning that if you get a virus such as HPV, there could be a direct correlation to your hormones shifting, of course, because your body's under attack, your hormones and your adrenals are going to be all over the place that will cause that to grow. So they found a connection between a virus and endometriosis. What Dr. William, or he's not a doctor, what Anthony Williams claims, he's just a guy that loves medicine. He claimed that he thinks if you have a viral infection in your body, the endometrial tissue is the first tissue that we are grown in as a embryo. So it's the most rejuvenating, life-making, beautiful, miracle tissue that a woman's body can make. Like anything like that tissue is what grows a life. So if that tissue is so pure, clean, beautiful, and the immune system is triggered to grow it outside of the body on all these different places, his theory was that if you have the viral infection, the body triggers the hormones to grow the endometriosis, to try to encapsulate the virus in the body and 
make it so it can't continue to thrive, such as cancer. Cancer, such as cervical cancer, such as prostate cancer, will often be encapsulated into small cells and the cells will continue to form around it to try to protect the body from that infection caused by the virus, which creates a tumor. So really at the end of the day, my endometriosis is not, is not estrogen driven. And so many women are led astray because they're like, oh my God, without ever having a hormonal test, this is estrogen driven. I'm going to get a, I'm in an IUD, which will decrease the estrogen in my body. That's going to make them infertile. If they do that, if you have a viral, you need to test your hormones first, because if you have a viral infection, you, don't, you already don't have estrogen. If you decrease your estrogen anymore, you're never going to be able to have a child, but you can do something else to, you know, take supplements, do other treatments. I would say work with someone that is a fertility specialist, a fertility doctor to change your lifestyle and to decrease the virus. And through time, your symptoms will lessen. So I learned that. And then I think after, so I basically went to a fertility doctor because I was like, I realized I have a specific kind of this problem. She confirmed it through her test. And then for the past six months, we've been working on making, killing the virus, making my body more of a fertile system to live on. And then, yeah, I've like literally all my symptoms have decreased. I think my endometriosis is going away. And here I know about women getting freaking hysterectomies their whole uterus, fallopian tubes and ovaries taken out because the endometrium tissue is growing on it. And I'm like, is that what we do as doctors? We're just going to take women's body parts out when this tissue is growing. When in reality, we could be helping them by literally inserting an IUD from the, you know, for the people that need that little hormonal shelf or just attacking the virus that's causing this tissue to freak out and grow in the first place, which in my case is HPV. So it's another long rant on the disease that I've discovered, but you can see why I decided to change my career path and go into this profession because I feel women are survivors of what they've gone through. But at this point, like a lot of them are victims to the medical industry and myself included. And so I want to fight for those people and say, hold on, hold on. Before you're told these are your only options, what else is out there that could prevent you from, you know, I don't plan on having a child, but what if someone wants a baby? Like what if, is it, is the only cure to take out what's infected or is the cure to kill what's infecting you? (laughs) So it's just, it's an interesting situation, but anyway, that'll be controversial for whoever has it. (laughs) Whoever listens to it will be like, uh, I have estrogen dominance and the only thing I could do is hysterectomy. And it's like, all right, well, that's okay. But that's your hormones telling you what you need done to you. Like you can't treat every single diagnosis of endo the same way. We're not cookie cutters. I think it's so funny that like men were the first people to perform a hysterectomy, of course, because it's like, okay, so that's a very like masculine form of thinking like, oh, she has a problem. Let's just take it out. And it's like, is that what we're supposed to do? Or we could treat it. Yeah. Or we could treat it. But that's why I think healthcare and I, that's why I think this could be a vicious injury industry, because if we're not sick, how do the doctors get paid? 
you know, how does insurance companies get paid? If we're not chronically ill, how do people keep privatized doctors keep making money? It's a really weird. I had weird doctors try to sell me some weird things. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Cause I've been to all of the, I've been to Western medicine, Eastern medicine, and there's spiritual healers alike. You can get super woo woo and do some Reiki healing or whatever you want to do. At the end of the day, there are frauds in every department, you know? Yeah. And so navigating that, like therapists can be frauds, psychologists can be frauds, a surgeon can be a fraud and say, oh yeah, I really think you should take out your prostate. I really think you should take out your prostate. Or why don't you try a naturopathic treatment for six months? Cancer doesn't, prostate cancer doesn't form for like, you know, five, 10 years, most people anyway, see if you can do something else before you lose your ability to have sex as a man, you know? Yeah. So there's just, but the doctor, the surgeon would have benefited from that hundred thousand dollar surgery. Right. So that's scary, you know? So anyway, I hope whoever listens to this just starts questioning, like it's, I love doctors and I love authority and whatever, but like, just question it. Like ask yourself, is this the best move for me? Cause yeah. it's not maybe not necessarily the best move for everyone, you know? Yeah. So, that's, that's one of my big things is like, your biggest advocate is always going to be you. It's not your doctor yes. that you're paying is you. Yeah. If you don't agree with something they're saying, go get a second opinion. You know, you're so right. And to, for you to learn that at a young age too is really hard. Like that you're your biggest advocate and to ask the questions. Cause I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I look back and I'm like, mom, how did you not ask that? Why did you not do this? I know, but they were only doing the best that they could um, parents and we're only going to do the best we can, but teaching your kids to have that critical mind of, is this the only way or what are other ways? It's, it's super important because I look back at all of my illnesses in life and I knew deep down, just like the Lyme experience. Oh yeah. That, that Mark has nothing to do with your vomiting. And I like, was I was like, huh? I knew deep down the truth yeah. all along. There was something deeper. Yeah. You just people, when you have a patent, dare PDA, patentectus arteriosus, doctors are like, oh, the least that's going to do is make you tired. And I'm like, you don't know because we don't know enough about it. So before yeah. you like state that, <laughs> we need to go off of like what were the experience of the person because perception is reality. If Becky's saying she's having period pain, it's not for the doctor to say, no, she's not. It's the doctor's responsibility to say, how do we fix that? And what are your options? And be honest about those but it's hard. Not a lot of them can given the boundaries that are yeah. set for them. You know, I, I, I always thought about, I basically have a PhD now in chronic illness, but cause I study all of it and I read all of PubMed and Psych Info, but I always say people are like, oh, are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? I'm going to go get my doctorate doctorate in probably naturopathic work just to say I have one, but it's, I was going to go get one in psychology too, just to say I have one. But the second I got my white coat, it'd be ripped away because if a patient came in and was like, I have you know, four months to live and they want to take this, this, and this out to extend me six months. The Hippocratic oath holds you to saying like what would be right for them. And so I would probably say what I think is right. And I would probably get fired, you know? So it's an interesting, I wouldn't make it past the white coat ceremony. That's all I can say. 
Well, just because you get it doesn't mean you have to practice it. Yeah, exactly. So and that's a big doctors are doing the best they can too. There's a incredible doctors out there. So yes. I'm not hating. I'm just saying there's could be, you know, we could all do better. Yeah. There's good doctors. There's bad doctors. Yeah, there is. And that's what's scary about it. Yep. Like everything I could be saying is a lie. And then someone's listening and they're like, you know, you, you, whatever you say, you, whatever someone says, important to question it for sure. So. Yeah. So how do you think having all of these things basically throughout your life, how do you think it's shaped you like as a person? Humbling is number one, because I always thought none of that will happen to me. And then it all happened and it could be worse. You know what I mean? Or different. I don't want to say people's situations are worse or different because it's each to their own, but I, the empathy I have for people now going through things like and the kindness I have for, toward others, for example, people that work for me, like my own people that I hire for my own side gig that I do, my assistant really, it's one person and then people I contact to. But if they say like, I'm feeling run down, immediately I'm like, take the day off, go on a vacation, do a mental day. I like will give them, and obviously people will take advantage of this, but I'll like give them a bonus and be like, go on a trip, like rest, relax. And if, if people are saying slightly, like I'm out of a headache, I'm tired. Health is first. If you have health, you have nothing. So to me, it's like, okay, drink a ton of water, lay in bed, nurture yourself, take a bath, get a massage, do acupuncture, talk to a friend, go watch a comedy, go play. Like if you're sick, go to the beach, go laugh. I don't right now, if you have COVID, don't go to Disneyland, but like do something that lightens your heart and your soul. And I don't care. People are so judgy. They're like, Oh, this person, you know, they're dealing with they're sick and they went on a vacation or like a camping trip. Like, Oh, okay. You're really sick. It's like, no, they got themselves out with fresh air and nature and they're taking time away from what's stressing them. So it's my compassion for people and my like fierce love and care for people who maybe I would have otherwise dismissed when people say like, I'm going through something, I really deeply understand and want to support and do whatever I can to make them feel better. So, and same for myself, like it shaped me as a person where I was just like, go, go, go work, work, work. And now if something's not good, I will slow down. I'm hopping in bed. Everything's turned off. I'm eating food. I want that's going to nourish my body. I'm being with the people I want. I'm doing what I want and work can be later because corporate America kills. So <laughs> I'm like, it seriously does it working at Sony for like four years, great company. No corporate environment is meant for humans. That's all I have to say. So that's how it shaped me. It's made me more compassionate. It slowed me down. It's given me a deeper love for life because I want to live it. And in those days when you're on the floor, I remember one time I like fell out of bed and like crawled to the bathtub. I was in so much pain, just laying in the bathtub with the warm water over me. And I was like, okay, the second I'm able to like walk and stand again, I'm going to enjoy that so much better. And when I, the other day I was FaceTiming my boyfriend folding laundry and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, that's what you're doing on your like Friday nights folding laundry. And I was like, dude, there was a time where I would get home from work and get into bed. And I dreamed of having the energy to cook dinner 
shower, and fold my laundry. Anyone with a chronic illness knows if you can drink a water bottle or get out of bed or shower, that's an accomplishment for the day. If you smile, that's an accomplishment for the day. If you freaking put on, you're wearing lipstick right now, holy hell, you know, that is, no one understands the effort, especially for a woman to like get ready in the day. If you can do that, holy, that's the best thing ever. So I think it's just given me such a love of life when I can live it. I want to play more. I want to laugh more to take it less seriously. It's just, yeah, those are, and then I, and then I changed my whole career in life for it because after I realized like what I went through and I go second, I see someone and they're open to help, you know, I go on podcasts because the questions are asked, but typically I'm not like shouting my opinions from the rooftops, but if they're open to help and I'm, when I'm coaching clients, like my whole passion goes there because I'm, I don't want people to ever have to go through what they, what I went through. I want them to expedite their healing. And if they are never going to heal, I want them to enjoy life where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. How it shaped me. How has it shaped you? Oh man. I mean, I started a podcast about it, Yeah, <laughs> but so I just want to yeah, I just wanted to create like a safe space for people to be able to talk about it. Cause I mean, people like edge away from talking about what they've been through and like that shapes you as a person. Why do you not want to talk about it? Why do you not want to share about it? A lot of people like never process the trauma of going through things because they don't talk about it. Have um, you done it? Have you processed your, have you done any like therapy work or stuff or processed on your own or? I never did any therapy work, but I mean, I've written about it and I mean, I think I've, I've processed it for the most part. You've thought about it. You've talked about it. Yeah. Podcast is that outlet for you too, to really yeah. process it and hear from others and feel less alone and share. Yeah. yeah. And part of that was growing up, you know, bladder x-ray is a pretty rare disease in like in the Santa Cruz County I think there was only four of us and did you know them I don't know them anymore but my my mom tried to take us to a support group so it was all four of us and the four moms and I was the only girl really yeah it's actually more common in men it's like a if you have bladder extrafy, it's a 25% chance that you're going to be a female. Really? That's, yeah. I wonder why that is. That's so yeah. interesting. But then also like our anatomy down there is so different. Yeah. You know, like we couldn't really relate because we have different procedures that are happening. Yeah. And then, yeah. You're right. It is different. So it just, we didn't really have like a support group. We didn't have anyone we could talk to who is going through the same wow. things and I just like, I just wanted to change that. I mean, it doesn't matter how far away people are. You can still know you're not the only person who has that, who ever went through that treatment. You're yeah, you're right. I know. So yeah, you made a podcast about it. I think aloneness is the number one thing that people feel. You feel so alone, no matter how like, and this, this is what I love about that fact that you made this podcast. You were, you asked and I was like, hundred percent, I'm going to be on because it's so funny. Like I have, no one would look at you. No one would look at me and just go like, oh, 
you're really doing something. On the flip side, there's a lot of people where you look at them mm-hmm. and it's very clear that they're totally going through something too. No matter who you are, you know, physically, in internal, external understanding of having chronic illness, you feel alone in those moments as if no one understands your exact situation. And then what you realize is you're right. No one does because you're so unique, <laughs> but there are other people that feel that same, same way. Like, yeah, there's so many people who are like, your situation is so unique and so individual. And I know you feel alone and I feel alone and unique and individual too. And, and how do you, being born with something that automatically makes you feel ostracized and knowing that humans are built for connection, this podcast is really the solution to that is letting people build that connection again that they felt was kind of robbed from them and like building a community around other people that are like, no, I see you. I get you. You're not alone. You're going to be okay. So, so interesting about what you went through. And Becky and I, if anyone's, I don't know who's listening, but Becky and I went to elementary school together. You were my brother's grade, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you were my brother. It's your few years. I had the fattest crush on your brother in the third grade. Oh, in the third grade. Really? Oh, yeah. My brother. <laughs> I don't want to be mean. Blake was a super cute kid. He was super nerdy, but very cute. Oh, yeah. Have you seen him recently? No. He's like acting in LA and stuff and script writing and being as interesting as ever. So. Is he still obsessed with James Bond? <laughs> He's still obsessed with James Bond. I think his car in high school said Bond something, like 007, or I have no idea. The next Bond. That's what his license plate in college said. He's such a character. That's funny. Interesting to his core. That's so awesome. Yeah, I remember I remember you in his grade. We grew up together until what grade? What Third grade was my last year there. It was? I thought you were like up till eighth grade. Mm-mm. No, I was just preschool through third grade. And then I went to a smaller, more private school closer to home. Oh. And then I started having so many medical problems that I actually had to homeschool through high school. Oh, so many medical problems. What, what exactly were those medical problems? It was just- um, I had the staff and then I was just in and out of school. Like I couldn't stay in school with all of like the migraines and stuff that I was getting. Like I miss, I think I attended was like actually physically at school in classes, maybe like two months out of the entire school year in seventh grade. And my mom was just like, we're going to homeschool you from now on. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Look, I graduated. I almost didn't graduate high school because I missed most of school. When I was in high school, junior and senior year, all, they pulled me into the office. They're like, we don't know if we can let you graduate because you've missed, missed too much school. But I did. And I graduated the 4.57 GPA on, on top of my class. So I hate how that's a whole nother combo for another day. I'm going to try not to go down that rabbit hole. But like education systems do not serve people no. who have chronic illnesses either. And education is supposed to be individualized just like treatment is supposed to be individualized in my eyes especially because I grew up with ADHD and then also had all these other anxiety and depression mental illnesses like how do you I tutored ADHD kids for a while and I was like you need something that we don't have 
and and the system and the structure and the budget doesn't support that right now but it's a total inequality gap for kids and for parents like your mom's mom's only massive undertaking you know so and same on my mom I mean holy crap to help me graduate she was like helping me write all of my essays and just doing so much that she didn't have to do on top of working to try to help her baby. So it's tough for sure. And I'm super sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. It was like a team effort. My aunt would come over and I'd have my French classes with her. My mom would edit all my English papers. My brother was a few grades older than me. So he would teach me like all the science stuff. Like it was a group effort from everyone for the whole homeschooling thing. (laughs) And that's a really important other aspect of how has it shaped me in a way when you're, when you are chronically ill, you're so independent or you dealt with anything chronic, you're so independent, but on another, on the other hand, it's hard to ask for help. Cause it's like that whole like burden complex. Like I'm being a burden on everyone. It's like, but I think what being sick has taught me is to ask for help and to rely and depend on others. And that is strength and strength is truly like knowing it's a team and it takes a tribe and humbling yourself in that regard, that change in character. What I deal with a lot of people with like addictions and ironically people who have alcohol addictions tend to also have like IBS or arthritis or something like that. And it's funny, the people that aren't able to ask for help, like going to AA, going to a therapist, asking their spouse to like help them stay accountable to a goal, whatever. They're the ones that struggle more with ever accepting where they're at and kind of thriving in terms of where they want to go. They're the ones that are least, they're the ones that are most resistant to help and that are least likely to heal. And when I say heal, it's like some, you can't like fully heal with whatever condition you have, but yeah. like be and have a good, the best possible quality of life you can be at. And so, but the people that are able to say like, yeah, I want help. I need help. And I am grateful for the help that's around me. Those people are more likely to have, you know, do you see what's possible with borders of our boundaries of their life? So very interesting statement there. Yeah. So I guess looking like forward, do you have things that you have to look out for? Like, are you always kind of like playing defense basically? Oh, uh... Uh, I'm always playing defense. So I assume. (laughs) No, I was going to say, can you answer that first? (laughs) I'm always playing defense. Yeah. I have a doctor's appointment in two days actually to get blood work done and stuff just to check all of my numbers on um, like my kidneys and stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I do that a couple times a year just to stay ahead of it because if they can catch it, like earlier on with kidney disease and that kind of thing, yeah. then of course, like there's better treatment options available than if it's at a later stage. Mm-hmm. So like we just you watch think- and wait pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. The resistance, it's been resistant my whole life. 
I am the pot calling the kettle black where I was the person that didn't want to be on defense. And I just want to say, screw it. Let me go eat what I want and do what I want and act how I want. And I would just always end up falling flat on my face. So what I work with clients on now who have chronic illnesses and what I've had to learn myself is the acceptance. And I say this, like not even wanting to believe it still, I'm still working on this, but the acceptance that your, the way your, the quality of your life isn't less than it's just different. And then accepting that you will show up in the world differently than others. And instead of trying to fit in a mold, make your own mold and create your own life and do what you can within the confines of your life to live within your means and thrive within your means playing by different rules. And so for me, that meant early on, like I got to put nourishing foods into my body. I can't do the drinking like my friends or, um, that's the biggest one. All everyone drinks, you know what I mean? Um, that is, I'll be out. I'll be out for like a week. If I I've gotten, as my symptoms have gotten better from what I've been struggling with, that's less an issue. But if I have more than a glass or two, I'm out. So I know you've explained that with what you've got going on, I think alcohol just, it doesn't affect people all with chronic illnesses. So yeah. in general, the food I'm eating, if I'm eating something high and fat, high in sugar, saturated fat, like whatever, I'm not this like Nazi about it. And I think people should enjoy their life. And I used to be a Nazi about it. Obviously I used to have crazy eating disordered thoughts because I was so paranoid about what to eat because I never wanted to be sick. Now it's just like, you got to do the healthy food thing. You got to do the sleep thing. And you go, people, when I say that, like, I am the only one I know that's healed from Lyme disease, I'm still healing. But I think it's because people are like, well, how did you heal? And I was like, I'm always healing. So I'm always trying to take, do a new thing. What's the new thing? What's the new book that's out or the new podcast or the new doctor that has this new protocol that may help me? I'm, tr- I'm going to try all of it because all of it must help or hinder me in some way. And I'm going to monitor it. So I'm going to get a naturopath. I'm going to look at my blood tests or my, my stool test. I have a stool test waiting for me on my shelf right there. I have to go poop in a box in a little bit. I did bit. that last month, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just have to do it. You pee. I peed into gallon containers and turned it into labs for my hormones. I peed on sticks. I peed on paper. You, you just have to constantly, like you said, you're like, I have a doctor's you're constantly monitoring you're scheduling that into your life and then your health is always priority so like even in terms of budget I was like do I want to pay for this poop test or do I want to pay for a trip to Joshua Tree with my friends for my birthday and I'm like they're both $338 like dang I have to pay for this dumb poop test and it's it's I hate the anxiety of always feeling like what's next. Cause I healed from the Lyme and the HPV cervical cancer and endometriosis flew out of the window. And then now I'm just healing from that. I defeated the cancer like that within six months, it was done probably because of what I learned and what I've been doing. But then after that, it's like, well, what's next? So you're right. It's the prioritizing the acceptance and the defensive. And it's a true on a bad day, 
I will really be, I will really struggle and be frustrated with that because it hinders, it gets in the way of stuff. It's very frustrating. And, but on a good day, I'm like, we've got this, you know, we'll live our, we're doing the best we're managing this great. So you're the same. I'm assuming you're like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's just that fear of, if I could sit and eat a box of Oreos, I would be really happy. I know. Right. And not like, be like, why do I have a migraine? <laughs> 30 seconds, you know, why, oh, why my stomach so just bloated. gets super yep. bloated. You, it's the bloating and the digestion and oh, it's like, and you just want to feel healthy and vibrant and yeah. Oh my God. The resentment I've had for chicks that can just like eat a whole pizza and then I do it and I'm just, and I can eat a whole pizza. I can do it. But then I have afterwards IBS and bloating and like acne and the whole nine yeah. yards. So have you tried gluten-free pizza crust? Yeah. Like cauliflower crust and stuff. I like it. Do you like it? Yeah. I just had some pizza last night actually with a gluten-free crust and I didn't feel bloated at all. And I had like four slices. <laughs> yeah. That sounds so good. I I've been getting the, um, they have them at, uh, Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. I think Costco now Costco has really good ones and you just buy the gluten-free pizza crust and then throw a bunch of herbs and veggies and whatever else on it and then eat it. It's so good. The gluten-free pizza crust glute. Um, when I said cookies, there are these v- dairy-free gluten-free cookies which sounds so LA and dramatic, but they're at Whole Foods and they are great. They're the pull apart in the frozen section with barely any chemicals in them. And you just, those have not caused me problems. And those have been awesome. So I've also become a really good cook because I've had to experiment with like doing all these recipes, using all these different recipe apps and meal plans and whatever, trying to figure out um, what I can eat and how to make it taste good. So yeah but it's been a journey and it's still a journey. So it's impressive how it affects like every part of your life, your sex life, your like, just to be transparent, women have body issues, like most. So I study, I just say it because I study, because I've wrote a book on relationships. I study sex and libido and all that, like really intensely. All women have body issues. Try being one who's been chronically ill, you know, it's like a whole different disconnect and to have a partner that's going to like nurture you and say the right things and do the right things and allow you to open up and communicate and feel beautiful. It takes a true man. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. 100% like a really strong person. So and it takes you and that strong person is you, <laughs> you being able to like open up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. There's only so much they can do to help you if you're not willing to talk to them about things. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that communication makes you so strong and brave in the first place, you know, like, Hey, I have serious pain right now. I have low energy. My libido is low. I'm not really in the mood for this. And if you want me to be, I'm going to fake it. So you don't want me to fake it. So you might as well just, you know, be honest and talk about what you're struggling with and be transparent about your insecurities and how they can. I think what a lot of women forget to share is like figuring out what you need to feel confident and secure with your partner. And then being able to literally be brave enough to tell them that 
Like when I'm upset, I need you to come hold me, hug me and not let go until I stop crying. Like those kind of things. Or when I'm feeling insecure with my body, I need you to shower me with like love and compliments and flowers and like, tell me how beautiful I am. It's really hard to say those things, but if you can say it, it'll change the whole sphere of sex life for chronically ill people. We've really talked about all the subjects, haven't we? Yeah. (laughs) My last question then is just kind of what you're doing now. Cause you did say, obviously it shapes like kind of what you decided to go into work-wise. Yeah. So are you still doing the option B health? Yeah. You want to talk about that? I love that you brought up option B health. I realized that was such a bad branding because it sounds like plan B. Everyone's like, is this about pregnancy? And I'm like, no, it's about getting yourself healthy enough where you are not infertile. I'm just kidding. But um, anyway, option B is just like when you've gone over, typically I work with people who have been in the limbo of the health. Well, there's a few things I do. I, I'm a general life coach. So I, I've been life coaching for like six years, but I'm just actually getting my certification right now. And I graduate in September from that school. But so I do, and in my nine to five through greatness media, I do life coaching in terms of building your business to achieve your goals. So there's like the wellness relationship business pillar. And I treat people holistically coming from the belief that if you're health is out of whack. Your business is going to be out of whack. Your business is out of whack. Your relationships are going to be out of whack. Your relationships are going to be out. So we try to approach those three pillars and help people. That's what I do in my nine to five. In my off time job, I wrote a book about dating and I dated all these guys on the dating apps. It's called 10 dudes. It's almost purchasable on Amazon, but not yet. Addition two is coming out, but I really through my dating journey and my heartbreak and whatever realized that it's always a self-esteem thing. No matter if you're, if you need a business coach, if you need a therapist, if you need a health coach, if you need a life coach, if you need a psychologist to help you specifically with your chronic illness, pain, like whatever you're looking for, it all comes down to self-efficacy. And so from that, I started option B health, which is I realized what people will, my clients will come to me when they've tried everything in terms of like self-confidence therapy and working on their managing their illness and nothing's else, nothing else has worked. They've tried therapists, they've tried life coaches, they've tried all the professional doctors and they're still not feeling like they're getting mentally and physically to where they want to go. That's usually the people that I work with. And option B is where I take a look at all of the tests that are most recent that they currently have, or I make them take all of the tests possible online, like gut, hormonal, whatever, whatever. So it's a lot of like money up front that they're paying for the tests. And then we look at everything and then we look at where their body's at and then compare that to the vision of where they want to be in their goals and then create goals of how we're going to get there. And we monitor it for a period of time. And when I say health psychology, that's the mind body connection. We If they've already done trauma work, I don't like to dig into trauma again, because every time you relive the trauma, it's strengthened that neurochemical pathway in your brain. And I think right now, like we're all obsessed with trauma therapy. Oh, trauma, 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 every house to dig through your trauma. If you've done it, if you've worked with a professional and dug through it, or like done some ayahuasca ceremony, or you're on a podcast, like you are right now, and you're talking about all the time and you're talking about it with your family members, friends, whatever you're processing it. A lot of people have never processed it and they should go do one of those things. You know what I mean? I'm joking about ayahuasca, but just like something (laughs) 
I'm totally joking. Like, don't go do ayahuasca. Maybe some mushrooms. I don't know. But whatever floats someone's boat individual <laughs> to each person. But if you've not worked on your trauma, you should. I don't, I like to know people's trauma if they want to share so I can see where they were and see where they are now and see where they need to go. But what our sessions look like is we look at their health. We look at how that relates to their mental health. We look at their mental health and see where that's relating to their physical health. Oh, I'm having migraines. I'm having migraines. I'm having migraines. Okay. Well, what are you thinking about too much in your life? That's affecting that like chakra part of your brain. How do we connect that? And I'm Christian. I, I am a Christian. That's how I identify, but people get all woo woo when they think of chakras. Chakras is just an ancient practice where medical practitioners from like thousands of years ago realized, Oh, this group of people that have the same physical problem also have the same mental problem. And that's affected here. So like if you're heartbroken and you're experiencing acid reflux or your stomach really hurts in your solar plexus area and you can't eat and you've lost your appetite and you're wasting away or you're binge eating, maybe it's because you're dealing with a problem with boundaries or relationships or self-worth like or power in your life. And so I try to figure out where those areas are, are connected and then we try to like make t- minor tweaks in the person's lifestyle to heal them. So whether it's, if someone's dealing with dating, I do dating coaching and that's an area I work in. I do addiction coaching and that's and behavior change. That's an area I'm focused in. I do the chronic illness work. That's an area I focus in. And then finally I just do like self-esteem. So it's like public speaking and goal setting and putting yourself out of your comfort zone and trying new experiences and helping someone create a person that they're proud of. So I feel like every like therapist has interests where they're like, Oh, I, I work with, you know, childhood trauma, EMDR or addiction. Everyone has their own things. I kind of do whatever hasn't been working for you with the doctors. I'm like the person that swoops in and tries to help them solve that problem. And what it's turned into is for chronically ill people or mentally ill people, they need someone. And unfortunately have to pay for someone to be there for them through their journey because putting the pressure on your family member, your friends or your therapist or someone else is too much. And so we tend to do a lot of logistical stuff. Like what are your bills looking like? How do we find the best option for you to sort this out with your medical payments? What college course do you need to take that makes the most sense? aligns with your future. Oh, you're struggling with your dating and relationships. Like what tactical, do we need to sign you up for Toastmasters? Like what is the tactical achievable things we need to do that will help you long-term? So um, in essence, I'm just a life coach and there's like the health, health emphasis, if that makes sense. Whereas most life coaches are just goal setting and most therapists are just trauma work and processing. So for me, it's like, we do both. And if I were to be a therapist, which I could have, I wouldn't be allowed to talk about the other thing. And if I was the other thing, I wouldn't be allowed to talk about this thing. So I'm a little unconventional where I'm like, I'm going to break all the rules and do my own thing. And it's going to help some people. I'm not going to help others. So I'm trying to share the truth about health and empower people to search it out themselves and to find their own solutions and know that someone's rooting for them. If that makes sense. Yeah. So they feel less alone. Awesome. Great. Is your book available anywhere right now? You said it's coming soon to Amazon. Yeah. So I wrote edition one of 10 dudes and that book sold out within the first week. And then there was this big drama about it on social media because 
a friend of mine gave my my life story to her fiance and they made a movie out of it called Love Hard, which is currently on Netflix. And it's not a copyright issue because they changed it up just enough, obviously. Like if you're smart, you're going to change it up just enough so it's not a legal case. But anyway, I eventually came out about that and it made the video go viral because I like showed the facts and I was like, here's what happened. Here's the truth. And people freaked out because they're like, oh, there's Netflix stealing from a creator again and um, not giving credit where credit's due and capitalizing off of someone's life's work. It's just a really sad situation. So what I did was when the book sold out, I made a wait list and the wait list can be found um, at the link in my bio on Instagram, which is at Blair, B-L-A-I-R-E, Ward, W-A-R-D. And um, you can add yourself to that wait list. And in the addition to the book, I revamped the forward to explain what's happened. And then I also changed the ending a bit to explain what's happened since the end of the book and explain that in addition to. So we're in the process of editing that and it will be available hopefully within the next month or two on Amazon, on my website, on my social media. Well, thank you for letting me talk your ear off. It was fun. I had fun. (laughs) Awesome. Yay. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you had as much fun listening to that as I had actually chatting with her. It really felt like I was just chatting with a friend. If you did enjoy it, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. To help me keep this podcast going, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. If you're interested in sharing your story or know someone who does, please feel free to contact me either through my website, bodytalkwithbex.com, or you can find me on social media at bodytalkwithbex.com.